I'm Kaylin. And I'm Luke. And this is Death Row Dialogue. So I wanted to start off by doing some housekeeping. I have created our social medias. So we're on Twitter as at Death Row Dia, D-I-A. Yes, it wouldn't take the whole thing. And then on Instagram, it's just Death Row Dialogue. And then there is a Facebook group now that I have as Death Row Dialogue Podcast, where I'll post each week the mugshot of the criminal, and then it will have a little synopsis, and then I encourage everyone to say what they think, what they wish we would cover, if you didn't like something. Or if you have a question that maybe I forgot to ask, you can ask it there, and we'll try and get, get that information to you. Exactly. Or just a discussion that you would like some input on that maybe we didn't consider. Right. Anything like that. Anything you have to add, Luke? Uh, no. I'm excited. I'm We're ready at... to hear this one. What episode are we at? Well, this will be our fourth one. But there's only two out right now. Okay. Got it. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This one is kind of a bummer. Oh. Last week's was a bummer, but this one is also a bummer in a different way. Okay. So, as always, I got my information from Historical Crime Detective, an article, Murderpedia, an article from Facebook, and then ODMP.org. And that is a... I can't think of the word when you're, like, recognizing somebody that's passed away. It's, like, uh, obituary? Um, it's more something that people can go and comment and say, you've been gone for 25 years, I still miss you. Like, the victim's wife, I was looking at this page and she had posted, like, three months ago, saying, it's been 25 years, but I miss you just as much as I did then. Okay. And there's been, like, a lot of people that have so commented on it. So they can pay, like, homage to the... But yes, exactly. That's okay, what it okay. is. Okay. So, this is about the convicted murderer, Thomas Barefoot. Thomas Barefoot. Yes. Interesting. So, he was born on February 23rd in 1945, and he has a prior arrest records, includes aggravated assault, burglary, hit and run, DWI, Lewd molestation, theft, escape, possession of marijuana, possession of amphetamines, possession of a sawed-off shotgun, possession of an unregistered firearm, attempted rape, armed robbery, assault and battery, and breaking and entering. Oh, so this guy is just terrible all around. Yeah. He doesn't have a limit. Yeah. And uh, I found that he served some time in Louisiana and Oklahoma. Okay. So, Officer Carl Levin was a 31-year-old police officer that had been an officer for five years with the Parker Heights Police Department in Texas. And he had five kids. One was a seven-year-old stepdaughter. He had an adopted son named Buck, and I couldn't find the other children's names. And his wife's name was Anna Levin. That is the victim in this case. So, at age 38, Barefoot was hiding in an abandoned building in Harker Heights, Texas, which is about an hour drive north of Austin. 
when Officer Carl Levin came over to ID him due to being in the area looking for an arsonist around North Amy Lane and East Valley Road in Harker Heights. So he had got called for like a suspicious person call and he went over there to ID him. And when he tried to ID him, he, Thomas Barefoot, pulled out a gun and shot Carl Levin, Levin in the head with a 25 caliber because he was avoiding arrest for a rape of a three-year-old girl that he did in New Mexico. So he was on the run for that. Yeah, yeah. So, but, I mean, how do you go about that? I mean, do you just send one officer? I mean, because you don't know who this person is, if they're being suspicious. Well, it could have been that they were searching the area, and maybe his partner was a different part. This is also in the 80s. Yeah, So very true. It's hard to say exactly how they did things. Yeah. Well... And you, I guess you don't expect, like, if he didn't know that was the person, he's not going to expect them to just pull out a gun and shoot him. Mm-hmm. So. And the, they did, like, a Facebook post as a tribute to the 20th year anniversary of his death, and it said that he was found on the curb by his patrol vehicle with his gun still holstered. Oh, yeah. So, like, Thomas Barefoot couldn't have said, oh, well, he pulled the gun on me. Right. Because it was still holster. So he escaped after he shot him, but was arrested two days later at a Houston bus station. A manhunt had began with the Harker Heights Police Department, Colleen PD, Nolanville PD, Bell County Sheriff's Department, the Texas Rangers, and the FBI. Wow. Yeah. I mean, killing an officer is... I'm, killing anyone is terrible. Raping a three-year-old girl is insane. And so on top I mean, of all of that. Like, this guy, I I don't know. I feel like, like, you know you're not going to get away with it. Like, why do you keep doing... Well, he probably thought he was going to get away because he was gone for two days before they caught him. Right. You know, you probably think that you're fine. Yeah, but it's just going to keep escalating. Yeah. Well, during the investigation, they found two former roommates of Barefoot's, and they had told officers that Barefoot had made a statement that he planned to kill a Harker Heights officer because one had roughed him up on a public intox arrest in June. Oh, okay. And it wasn't Officer Levin. Right. It was just a different officer, so he decided the next one he saw he was going to kill. But this guy is just going all over the place committing crimes? Sounds that way. I mean, Louisiana, Oklahoma. He was accused of this one in New Mexico? Yeah, he was the suspect. But he was never convicted of it? Well, no, because he was on the run. So he probably had a warrant and knew he had a warrant. Yeah, and he came all the way to Parker Heights. Parker. Parker Heights? Yeah. And I guess it was the last thing on his list he needed to do. I... It just seems that this officer is in the wrong place. The wrong time. I mean, he was doing his job. He was doing what he's supposed to be doing. And unfortunately for him, he was shot. The trial was only three days long. So pretty quick 
Conclusion. Pretty quick. And after his trial, he had not executed all of his appeals, so you get a certain amount of appeals, and until you've exhausted all of them, they'll keep giving you stay of executions. So this decision usually has no complaints, but a month before he submitted this, a similar case was brought in at a request for stay and it was denied, even though he had not exhausted all of his appeals. And they're referring to Charles Brooks Jr. So because Charles Brooks Jr., the guy from the first episode, he hadn't exhausted all of his appeals and his request was denied. So that kind of made it to where everyone else was like, just because I haven't used all my appeals doesn't mean that I'm going to get approved. Right. And so these two cases sparked a lot of questions about how the Supreme Court handles the capital punishment and the appeal process. So due to getting three stays of execution, and like I said, those are usually guaranteed to you because you have a certain amount of number. Right. But Thomas Barefoot believed that because of those three stays, God was keeping him alive since he was innocent. I don't know how you can have in your mind that you're innocent. Yeah. Of all... Of what? Innocent of what? Which he, crime? Yeah, he doesn't live in the same world as all of us. As his execution date neared, he repeatedly said that God would intervene and spare his life. Before being taken to the van, the van that transports him to like the actual death row unit, he said, I'll see you later. I'll be back. To all of his fellow prisoners. He truly believed that his life would be spared because he was innocent. Can you imagine? Like, I know there's some crazy people in jail, but, like, this guy was actually crazy. I, I don't know. I wonder what was wrong with him. Like, there has to be something. You can't live that far out of reality and be perfectly sane. Yeah. Well, so this sparked a Supreme Court decision, and it was called Barefoot vs. Estelle. It was argued on April 26, 1983, and decided on July 26, 1983. And this case, this Supreme Court case, is because the prosecution hired two psychiatrists to answer hypothetical questions regarding the regarding Thomas Barefoot's future dangerousness and the likelihood that he would present a continuing threat to society. So the prosecution brought up two psychiatrists that they hired and asked hypothetical questions saying, do you think he's going to be dangerous? Do you think he's going to commit more crimes? And they were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone looking at his record could agree with that. Okay, yeah. So... After the trial for the punishment phase, the jury was asked to determine if he should receive the death penalty based on the fact if he was likely to commit further violent acts. The two psychiatrists had not examined Barefoot and never asked to. One called him a criminal sociopath and said there was no treatment for him, and the other said that he was a fairly classic, typical sociopathic personality disorder. He put him in the most severe category of sociopaths. On a scale of 1 to 10, he, he rated him above a 10. The issue that they have with this is that he was never examined by either of them. Right. So they think that they shouldn't be allowed to say any of this because they don't know him personally. Right. So one of the doctors was expelled from the American Psychiatrist Association 
and the Texas Association of Psychiatrists and Physicians um, for making statements and testimony on defendants he had not examined. Yeah, I mean, that just doesn't seem like a good idea. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And even if he interviewed him for 30 minutes, you know, like, that's not a long time. But I'm sure he could come to the conclusion in those 30 minutes that this person was not in a reasonable mind. Oh, yeah. Well, all of this came to the conclusion that there's no merit to psychiatrists, individually or in a group, saying that they can predict that a criminal will commit other crimes in the future or present a danger to society. So it was established that psychiatrists can no longer just go get on the stand and say, from what I'm reading right here, he will commit a crime again. Right. So that was a big thing that came from his case. So they... What's... I'm confused. Uh, they can't be used at all? Their testimonies can't be used at all? This... Or they have to be interviewed before. I think that the whole issue was that um, they can't predict it. I think they can be interviewed oh, in and other they can, aspects. They can say like how they are, but they can't say what their future will be like. They can't say, I can tell you with 100% certainty that, that he will, he will kill again. Or, yes. Yeah. Okay. That was the main issue. Yeah. So his last meal was soup with crackers, chili with beans, steamed rice, seasoned mustard greens, hot spice beets, never heard of that, and iced tea. A very southern meal. Yeah, sounds like it. Harker Heights dedicated a park after Officer Levin. That's good. So. Glad to hear that. And the site that I was telling you about that they were able to go on and leave a message for, it was really sweet. Yeah. Like, it had a lot of pages of people that had written to him, some that knew him in school, some that knew him in the academy, that worked with him, some from just other departments. Right. That, I guess, they go on the site and see officers that have been well, fallen you, in line of duty. You were saying, what was her name? Lisa? His wife's name? Oh, Anna Levin. Anna Levin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's still posting on there, so I'm sure she enjoys seeing... Oh, yeah. Like, that probably brings her some resolve and... Yeah, she, she would post every once in a while. Yeah. Well, I'm sure she gets on there to read the comments mm-hmm. and, you know, feels grateful for everyone who reaches out. It was very sweet. Yeah. It gave me, like, chills reading oh. it. So, like I said, he had a lot of different states. He had had five execution dates. In total. The first one was in 19... It was 9-17 of 1980. He was granted a stay by the Supreme Court. The next one was 10-13 of 1981. He had a stay by Court of Criminal Appeals. The next one was January 25th of 1983. It just says stay. didn't say which court did it. And then there was another one on December 14th of 1983. And that was stayed by the U.S. Judge Lucius Bunton. And then he was finally executed on October 30th of 1984. So he bought himself four years on death row. Okay, are you ready for his final words? Yeah. When asked if he had a last statement, he replied, yes, I do. 
I hope that one day we can look back on the evil that we're doing right now, like the witches we burned at the stake. I want everyone to know that I hold nothing against them. I forgive them all. I hope everyone I've done anything to will forgive me. I've been praying all day for Carl Levin's wife to drive the bitterness from her heart because that bitterness that's in her heart will send her to hell just as surely as any other sin. I'm sorry for everything I've ever done to anybody. I hope they'll forgive me. Sharon, tell all my friends goodbye. You know who they are. Charles Bass, David Powell. Then he coughed and nothing else was said. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's very interesting. He sounds very, like, from that, he sounds like he was thinking about it. But then when you look at his record, like, his crimes were out of control. Totally. I read this more of... It's hard to say by just reading the text. Right, like there's no tone or emotion mm -hmm. that you can read into. Because there was an article that said that he was more of like chastising Carl Levin's wife for hating him. Oh, okay. That's how some people read it. Right. So I do think it was interesting mentioning the witches that we burned at the stake. Yeah. So is he... I think he's still saying like he's innocent. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. It's an interesting comparison to make. Right. Witches were seen as evil. Yeah. And you are evil. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of crimes to rack up. But yeah, that is Thomas Andrew Barefoot. Heavy one. Yeah, not as much as the last one. I think it's a different heavy. Right. I think maybe it's just because I work closely with law enforcement right. that it's heavy yeah. to me. Right. But um, hopefully. Well, I mean, it, it's crazy to think, like, I don't know how Harker Heights is, but it, there was probably not a lot of shootings there. I think it was a smaller community. Right. So. And so did get an officer related shooting yeah just out of nowhere from somebody that doesn't even live here right it seemed almost as if he was passing through yeah so unfortunate story yeah and that was a hard one well we will be back next week i want to say it'll be brighter but probably not <laughs> definitely not definitely not but i I still like hearing the stories. I feel like I learn and, you know, I get more information, like psychiatrists being in court. Like, I would have never known about these people just going and professing that someone's insane without even talking to them. I mean, I would say it, but I also don't have a degree in psychology. I think that it's very interesting when you find a case that actually sparked a Supreme Court case. Right. Because, you know, these are referred to. Yeah. And actually, as I was researching this one, there was a mention of the last case that we did. The I should actually think it was James David Autry. Yeah. That they referenced this Supreme Court case. Oh, okay. After the fact. And I didn't look into it because I didn't know what it was. Right. So now I'll be able to recognize it. And there was also a lot of legal mumbo-jumbo that I didn't understand. Right. So if a lawyer is listening, <laughs> feel free to um, 
comment on one of our Facebook pages to let me know um, what I said wrong about this because there was a lot of legal stuff I didn't understand. Like jargon? Or... Yeah, and then I was, you know, having to Google every other word oh, yeah. to see what it meant yeah. and try to piece it all together. It's this like is what Latin. I gathered. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then it'll say a word and then have like 50 Greek letters and numbers after it. Oh, yeah. It was really weird. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot and like they're adding stuff all the time. So. I've always thought that um, those were interesting. The specific cases that changed a law. Right. Or. Or added a law. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thanks for the story. A little side note, if you hear any bells jingling or little tiny feet on the ground, that's probably one of our cats. Maybe the dog. Or our dog. So, don't mind them. They're pretty quiet. (laughs) Well. Uh, Thanks for listening. This has been Death Row Dialogue, and we'll see you next time.